Hello and welcome to Michael and Ivanka's Grand Podcast, a podcast where we look at each other's faces on a webcam and talk <laughs> to each other from one country to another. And it's all just wonderful. Um, my name's Michael Forrest. And I'm Ivanka Magic. And this week we is talking about art. Doesn't get much grander than that, in my opinion. It doesn't um, really. I, I think there's lots of different kinds of art to discuss and there's uh, sort of our perception of other people's work and possibly even our own, you know, feelings about the creation of art. Um, have you got any headings? Uh, I had something about access to art, the the sort of consumption of art, the weird, weird pressure put on people to be confident in their opinions or not mm. or to understand what they're supposed to like, yes. uh, how hard it can be for somebody to make a living doing art, how important oh, art is to us as humans, Yes. how much we need it. Yes, and this is... That kind of stuff. Yeah, and this is a, two, this is a two-parter, and we know this up front this time. Up front, yeah. So, yeah, like lots of subjects. Um, so let's, uh, let's go. Let's do it. Go, go. It's been a few days that we've since we last checked in. How are you, Ivanka? How's it going? I am. Uh, well, my back's bad, so yes. therefore I've been quite miserable. And but I don't know if because I was a bit miserable, my back went. <laughs> hmm. So I don't know. Anyway, it makes me stop still and take stock of my existence and go on lots of long, gentle walks. So that's what I'm doing. So we are not do, recording our podcast in the morning as we often do, but rather from lunchtime, which has given me time to mobilise my aching body. Uh, and yes. how are you, Michael? Been doing a lot of travelling, six flights in two weeks, which my carbon footprint is uh, is a disgrace at the moment. Um, so after Oslo, I went to my brother's wedding in Spain, which was very nice and warm. And we stayed in a nice hotel there and that was all right. We went to Jerez. Is that how they all say it? <laughs> <laughs> well, Jerez, I guess. Um, which was very cheap compared to Oslo, I'll tell you that much. And also very interesting to be in a place where every available surface wasn't plastered in ads in advertising the only thing you really saw as you walked through was the occasional sort of mosaic of mary or a painting of like religious it's stuff quite holy um well, i don't think it's holy i just think they're into into religious stuff okay. there and not much else. even the supermarket there was nothing on the outside of it just like a sign kind of above the door and nothing else even though there's this huge supermarket they just just not bothered yet it was quite nice to sort of be somewhere that wasn't all about having stuff pushed in your face. And then I was in Berlin this week to sort of kick off a contract. I haven't been back to Berlin since I lived there and I, I just had a weird experience with it, just going, do I love this place or do I hate it? It was this weird combination of my expectations being low, but then 
like weird stuff just being way better than other places and not least of which was like the music shops there the synth i went into the synth shops schneider's laden that i just haven't i didn't make it in the whole time i was living there partly because it sort of opens at 2 p.m on certain days of the week sort of closes like not long after that and it's you kind of have to go into a sort of residential looking bit and then the shops in there but yeah, I finally made it in there on my way back to the airport and it was like, I keep I keep thinking about it. <laughs> I just keep thinking about it. Just like all the modular synths with just out and you can play with them. <laughs> <laughs> was it like Michael's toy shop? It was Michael's like a toy shop. shop. It's, it's on my mind. Not <laughs> 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 oh. that, you know, I, I, it's, but then, you know, sometimes I'm like, well, I've got, kind of a bit of a dream set of synths and stuff behind me as it is but you know i probably don't spend much time on them not as much as i probably could but yeah so i just uh it's been traveling just been knackered and then i helped my sister move house uh, she her new place is on the fourth floor and which is just shit (laughs) so you got your steps in yesterday I got more than enough steps. I burnt about a thousand calories doing exercise yesterday. So I had like two and a half hours on my bike, an hour at the gym, <laughs> hours carrying shit up and down stairs. So I'm just like aching today. And um, I just want to lie down and just not do anything. But no, we have to talk about art. We do. But that's good because I'm, 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 I'm kind of up for this chat. I've had the opposite of your mega carbon footprint couple of weeks because mm. I've been to a children's eco something on a Saturday morning. Uh, it was as part of EU Mobility Week. The local, the Sutivan, which is a tiny little town, village, organised for all the kids to go on a like, you know, bring your scooter, bicycle, whatever wheels you've got. And we wheeled off to this other beach, which is a little bit too far away for my child. But she got mm. most of the way there and then I put her on the back of my bicycle. We joined in which is, you know, already quite hard for me. (laughs) So Mm. I sort of like joining in, but I don't know anybody. But so what they'd done is they, as part of that, they had the eco bunny, which was a green bunny that my child wasn't sure about at all. This green bunny. The person in a suit. Yeah, she didn't want to go near the green bunny. But they had games organised where they had to pick up, you know, compete to pick up paper, to pick up glass, to pick up. So sort of teaching them about recycling. And it was a day out you know, sort of, a, I don't know, four or five hour activity, which was quite cool. Mm. We joined in. Okay. It was a bit, she was a bit small, but we did our best. And then the other day I told you I was making these clay balls with, filled yeah. with microorganisms. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. have done some Googling since uh, the jury's out on whether effectively doing things like Putting probiotics in the sea is going to do anything. <laughs> However, sort of like, it's, yeah. a, it's clearly a very nice community activity and makes people talk about the cleanliness of the sea, which sometimes these things, they're certainly not going to do any harm. Uh, oh, it's going to fill it with balls. Balls, <laughs> clay balls. <laughs> uh, basically, they've, they're clay balls with, I don't know if, if you're, how into composting you are, Michael, <laughs> but you no, can buy a compost super. activator, which has right. good bacteria in it. It, it kind of looked like compost activator. Uh, but, you know, I, I scored points in the local community for going along to this volunteering activity. Okay. And, uh, yeah, it was a sunny day. <laughs> I've been uh, saving the sea 
for you. Excellent. As you the fly hubris above of it. man. <laughs> the hubris of humanity. What we'll do. <laughs> still do everything we're doing, but we'll chuck some like clay balls in. See see how that goes. Yogurt. Here, um, have some yogurt. See. Basically that's what Sorry. it is. Sorry. Here yogurt, have some sea. No, see see, have some yogurt. Um, but you know. It's nice to be in a place hey. that's actually looking at things to do. Yes, yes, um, yes so yes, rather yes. than not doing anything, which is I shall reserve my uh, I don't know what could possibly be big enough for me to actually if they, if they were nanotech balls, then you'd be talking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in a way, they are I watched a good YouTube video yesterday about um how they're finding sort of lots of drugs in the sea or kinds of new molecules all the time. Um oh, really? it's funny how nature does sort of seem to provide these these chemicals that either as you either sort of take something that in normal doses would be highly poisonous in a very tiny dose and it can kind of cure you of something or relax muscles or yeah. do things or there's these compounds that sort of coincidentally cause these effects in human beings and then you know so something that might be a defense mechanism for a stationary organism attached to a rock maybe can sort of fight cancer in humans because they have an interest in stopping rapid cell growth in organisms near to them. You know, oh. it's, it's very strange. And just that all of the life is under the sea. Very little of it is above outside the sea, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Often when we choose a topic, I go to my Facebook feed and find that serendipitously something appears in my Facebook feed that is relevant. Uh, perhaps it is the algorithms spying on us. Reading your brain. <laughs> or it's just the fact that I'm noticing these things because I'm thinking about the topic that's coming up. Um, I will just on the subject of Facebook notice that uh, the the scandal this week being that Facebook is using phone numbers from two-factor authentication for ad targeting. Cool move, guys. <laughs> Thanks. That's not a, a betrayal of trust or anything. They're using phone number authentication for AdWords ad targeting. targeting. Oh. Just that, yeah, so they're sort of like the stuff that's for security they're using for their marketing, which uh, are cheeky, pretty cheeky. Monkeys, aren't they? Yeah. Not um, on. Yeah, no. Um, so, so then this week I watched a video. I have discussed this, mentioned this in passing before on a different episode where this, this school that was out of, uh, in special measures introduced yeah. music and it improved massively. But anyway, the BBC covered the school and there was this very lovely video of the, it was a failing school in Bradford. Something, some very high percentage of the kids in the school, English was an additional language for those children, possibly not even their second language, but maybe their third or fourth. And they have, each child now has a minimum of something like eight hours of music a week. Eight? Wow. Eight hours of music. So as opposed to ditching music, because Bright, I think East Sussex or Brighton Council have killed the whole music. You know, like I, I at school did, you know, we all did the recorder and then I did the tenor horn and then I did, I did all these different, my sister went through, you know, the double bass, all sorts of things. Because if you wanted to do it, it was there and available. Anyway, they've yeah. killed that. But there's a, but this headmaster was talking about how much it's improved. It's improved the kids' performance across all subjects, but especially maths and English, which are the mm. ones that everyone always measures. And... 
the kids were being interviewed and they were, they were going, they were talking just about how much more they enjoyed school. Yeah. And I think that is not to be underestimated. And I think, I mean, my starting position on art is more that we have needs that are beyond the basic survival, the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy. To see something beautiful, to read something beautiful is a, is a real need for human beings. Um, that sort of emotional food. It's true, and I wonder if, um, like, when you start thinking about, you know, the um, fully automated luxury capitalism... Uh, capital- communism. Um, communism scenario. <laughs> fully automated, uh, same, you know, still automated and luxury. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you still have to pay for the capital one. Um, where the, you know, that sort of, like, future, like when humans don't have to do any of the boring stuff... What then? Short art becomes this the most important thing, and I think it goes beyond sort of entertainment and beauty, but it's also like a way of understanding the world and in a more holistic way, and in a maybe a sort of less kind of nuts and bolts kind of way. Yeah, and I, so beauty is definitely part of it. Also, it's this sort of emotional response. I was, when I was thinking about the podcast ahead of time, I was thinking, do we need to define art? Or do we need to talk about the different art forms? And I'm not really that bothered about that. Because I think it is interesting as well, having a small child and watching her respond to different types of music. Because with her, there's no pressure to you know like something because you're supposed to like it mm. <laughs> or you know i read her we she's got a uh, some spike milligan poems and i, I was re- i've started reading them to her and she just listened to one of them and went mm, that's funny <laughs> but she didn't actually laugh <laughs> it's like, it just kind of a but you know there's that sort of art gets this big fat label that's all like you said in the beginning got this grandioseness attached to it mm. that you know you're the the should am i supposed to like this or am i supposed to not like this bit and i think um anything that you have an emotional reaction to or makes you think is is art it doesn't have to be high art whatever that is I don't know what that is. No. So, so something from a conversation with our mutual friend slash foe. <laughs> <laughs> Historically, a lot of art has been in the service of religion, has been an attempt to access and explain, and the patrons of the arts were generally the church. And, you know, the, the idea was to try and access something larger than us and present it in a way that could inspire that awe and and it had a lot of utility to it in that well in terms of kind of managing a populace if nothing else but it it had a focus and in a way I kind of miss that I mean in the modern world and art's place in it where it is all about there's a lot of it's about self-expression now and I've always struggled with that as as being valid I'm not sure. I think like I think this idea that this individualistic approach to art where as long as you're expressing yourself then that's fine. Um but you're not necessarily trying to say anything about anything larger than yourself. And yeah, this is just a this is something I struggle with a bit. Those of us who can't paint or draw or play a musical instrument or, or do, do, do these things that are the tools of expressing art can be very impressed and moved by the skill. 
without necessarily engaging with the content or considering it. So I recall being at the Tate Modern and seeing a Jackson Pollock for the first time, expecting to think it was nonsense because mm-hmm. <laughs> my engineering self so yeah, it just splashed paint all over the place but actually I found myself quite engrossed with it I can't I, I remember feeling this feeling of enjoying looking at it wanting to look at it and I think one of the things I have learned or did learn from our mutual friend stroke foe is that I am allowed to have an emotional reaction to a piece of artwork without any judgment, without caring whether I'm supposed to like it or not. If you know, you know, so like yeah. respond to it emotionally first and then have a think about the other connotations. One of the reasons people struggle to talk about art, even you know, even if it's music, you know, it takes a long time to go, well, I like it. You know, this is my, you know, even pop music. You have to be given permission. Yeah, by, by, by that sort of peer pressure or your tribe yeah. or whoever it is to go, it's okay, you you know, it doesn't make it uncool if you like this. Or it does, but yeah. why would you care? <laughs> Apart from thinking about the, the, the need to experience art and the need to be... The, the, there's also, having done projects in places like Abu Dhabi and D- Dubai where there really isn't a visible presence of the same kind of art that we have in Europe. In fact, really, Abu Dhabi and Dubai are all about shows of wealth and dominance Mm. over nature. And there is a society that's really, my impression of it um, is that you go there to earn a tax-free living and there are these, it's not a... There's no society to speak of. There's no. Mm. There's these layers of various expats. Everyone's an expat, apart from a very privileged few. Um, and it depends what flavour of expat you are, how much you're earning, and what kind of job you have. But there is nothing being fed back into the society. And I think without the society element, art doesn't work. It needs. It, it, it is part of the glue that that. Um, you know, a healthy society, a healthy community, a healthy group of people have, they have artists, they have dances, they have music, they have things that reflect them as yes. well as... So, and I think when you, when you don't have a healthy society, art suffers. Yeah, um, and this was the, yeah, definitely felt like the difference between Oslo and Dubai couldn't be more different, really, just in terms yeah. of their approach to wealth. I, and I had it a bit in Hong, like Hong Kong seemed. I yeah. I was like, there's no, there isn't art <laughs> that I could no, really see no. in the same way that. And even if you sort of tried to go to the area that maybe was supposed to have a little bit of it, it was still like, eh. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Whereas you, you know, the nicest places in a city are often, you know, the life is expressed in terms of this kind of public or. Yeah, and, no, and I don't healthy. Uh, when I say healthy society, I don't necessarily mean wealthy, because often in no. times of hardship or like political turmoil, one hopes that in these times of political turmoil, at least some decent art should come out of it. And I mean all <laughs> no, art forms, you know, movies, books, protest songs. I don't know, um, mm. because you know, if you're not in that, if there's something going on in society that needs uh, people need galvanizing around then art is a powerful very powerful medium 
yeah. as we've discussed in like the media episode if you t- start you know talking about tv as an art form not just as a you know i don't know news reporting mechanism um it suddenly has it has a great deal of impact on society and a great opportunity to teach people stuff or make them think about yes. things I recorded a song recently. So this is about kind of the personal slash... The defence of personal art, I realised, is it, it can't just be individualistic. It has to be... There is a problem that me and people around me are facing that needs to be expressed, that people can rally around. So I sort of took some inspiration from sort of like how hip-hop works and I was like a lot of these there's a lot of sort of like I mean for want of a better word complaining about your lot in life in some of these tracks so if it's you know if it's good enough for hip-hop then maybe I can try it in my song and just kind of describe my experience um sort of like directly and then so I you know I recorded a whole song I had plans for it and then kind of had it shot down and then my kind of um understanding of that my my thinking about it now I'm like it it is too specific when it's just about me and my particular life maybe I'll find like five or six people you know 50 60 people in the world that have that can empathize or kind of like want to learn from that but prob- it's not really the same as a kind of social uprising that people can get behind like you know like public enemy might have kind of been in support of so it's not enough for it just to be a personal expression it needs to be an expression of something that lots of people experience and and this is also i think a more general certainly around music i think music is like the meaning of music is closer to people singing in church or a football match than it is to some guy twiddling knobs on his own on a stage in front of, you know, six bored-looking hipsters, you know, which is kind of the other side of the coin. Um, But, for you know, for me as someone who is, you know, tends to produce stuff more of the latter type, it's, (laughs) I don't know, like, and when I haven't really found my... You know, I haven't got a religion to express. I haven't got a football team to care. I don't care about that sort of thing. But I haven't found my kind of cause that the art needs to get behind. But yeah, I'm not really trying to talk about me. I'm just trying to say something I learned through doing it, which is how I learn everything, was like personal individualism is one thing, but really at all levels, if it's not kind of representing something shared by lots of people or at least enough people um then i I don't know what value it has it's it true it becomes this thing that i often kind of say which is this sort of like anything goes oh i've done this and it may not may or may not have required any skill and often doesn't require that much skill either um where people sort of like they turn up they sort of feel cool for being there you know, and I, you know, I do this. I turn up to 
gigs I turn up to sort of these sort of in, you know independent shows and things and I'm like okay well I sort of feel cool that I'm here all of this work is pretty I don't know I can find something about it probably that that I can take away but I'm I'm having to look, but at the end of the day, I, I'm probably going to forget about it pretty quickly. Are you talking about the consumption or the participation? No, I'm, I'm talking about consumption more in that sense. I think, do you think we need to talk about the actual act of creation? So regardless yep. of topic or maybe, and I don't know with music sometimes, if I'm playing the instrument, am I still an artist? Or if I'm singing the song that someone else has written, um, you know, I I don't know. I think I am because whatever happens, I'm going to be putting my own my own self into it. Because for me, we I definitely talked about this before. It's like I got forced to play the accordion as a child, and I had lessons for years, and I did all my practicing under duress until the day where I could true. I just was in a really foul mood, and I picked up my accordion and played just for me. And I really, I was able to lift my own mood by playing an instrument. I don't know. In that context, I never considered myself any sort sort of an artist. I I I I, I was very capable of reading music and reproducing it on the accordion, but I couldn't. Most of the people I played with in the orchestra could hear a piece of music and play it. They were far more. I don't know whatever talented they were far more able capable I don't know but um but the, that there's that sort of art for myself so the the writing music about something that happened to you for you regardless of how many people are going to listen to it I think has value there's that feeling you get where I can sort of sit in front of a piano and I can play it to myself and I can be or a guitar or anything really and just be profoundly grateful that I, I'm just this is just for me this is something that I can just kind of create from nothing and that's a great feeling yeah. I'm just kind of like conjuring stuff from nowhere and it's you know it's having an emotional effect on me and and that's that's a nice feeling to have um, but, but if you're talking yeah. about you know like wanting to stratify levels of artists then I mean the usual one is I used to have this conversation with my band years ago. It's like, is it art or is it craft? And um, mm. I, I personally, I, I've sort of gone off that. I don't know about that as a distinction, but the idea being like you can get good at the skill of creating something, but is it art unless you're, unless there's originality, originality. to it or you're sort of like creating something that, something new yeah. somehow or you're pushing the boundaries. Um but then actually if you kind of take the whole idea of creativity back to to its its core nothing is truly original everything is being influenced by there's always yeah. a tradition and if you try to be too original you end up not really having the emotional impact because to express something you need to be trading off against against expectations which means that you need to be coming from some sort of tradition or some sort of, um, I don't know, musical scale or like set of instruments or kind of like conventions um, so that people can have that. There's this difference between I'm just going to try something completely crazy versus I'm just going to push the envelope just enough that it excites people but doesn't sort of scare them off. And then what you're talking about a little bit is where does performance sit in with all yeah. of that and if it's whether or not it's something that you wrote 
are you an artist if you play other people's stuff? I that it wouldn't be my first. I, I wouldn't immediately think of a, a performer, you know, a violinist as an artist in the same way that I think about Jackson Pollock because uh, it feels like a slightly different thing. But really, I think these are all fairly arbitrary divisions. Yes, so, I mean there are certain performances of of art that are not required to have well they are required to have original so if you think about your classical pianist or somebody who's mm. a famous pianist famous violin player whatever they are they are still putting their own uh, style something there'll be something in there that's theirs and i think with things like art forms like dance a lot of it is choreographed so who's the artist? You know, the, I don't think it matters at all. I just think that it's when you don't, when you've been taught that art is something that you need a mysterious art babelfish to tell you whether or not you're allowed to like it or not, or whether it's within your remit to understand or whatever. Because art has this thing where it, it should really be really inclusive. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of nonsense around that kind of like and lots um, of nonsense, tribalism but it's, and kind of and, it, and it's that sort of like mm-hmm. yeah, exactly, lots of excluding people and this kind of music is not for you or you know we are very special and we listen to this sort of things or we understand these painters or we understand these writers, which is surely not the intention, not important to art. I don't know if Titian was painting something. Did he only want boring art historians on telly to be talking about his paintings? I, you know, as, as I understand well, it, when he was painting his pictures, that was the that was what you went to look at, regardless of your social status. Well, there's there's that sort of like critical versus popular appeal, and in an ideal world, you'll get both. And often, it sort of seems like a trade-off for something that lots of people will like versus something that the critics who know a bit about the medium will kind of but, be able to spot like what you're doing too easily they'll be like what are you doing what you were talking about earlier about sort of the the hip-hop music where the story represents many people there are Mm -hmm. many examples of uh, comedy music where people join in with it because it it is that sort of all-encompassing loads of comedians that become very popular tell stories of things you know I walked into a shop and then this person looked at me and everyone's like yeah I feel that like that too and it's kind of there's you know it's not clever plays on words or anything it's just describing life in all its absurdity and that does make you laugh and then that person becomes very popular well it helps you connect to realize that you're not alone when someone yeah. can point out something that you thought was a personal experience it is that sort of recognizing yourself in something but conversely there are many examples of art that people simply don't get exposed to because the the power of the people who bring it to us so i was listening to Malcolm Gladwell, I re-listened, I went to check the story to make sure I'd remembered it properly, but he talked about this woman, Elizabeth Thompson, who'd painted a painting called Roll Call 100 years ago, at a time when women were not allowed to do fine art. They were not, this is not something women were supposed to do. And at the annual, the, the Royal Academy of Arts annual show, they put it in a popular place. It got seen, it got covered, but she never became a member 
and they got they got caught but but it was like her she went off got married had six children never got a mention again even though she had this critically acclaimed painting that got traipsed around England with you know people you know, it was like people queuing around the block to go and see this painting mm. um but the royal academy was so powerful that if they if they didn't feel comfortable having a female member then next year's um uh, show they just shoved her in a back room her painting in a back room nobody saw it and she just mm. forgot about her just because something doesn't become popular or doesn't have loads of listens or doesn't make loads of m- money and doesn't even get critically reviewed and acclaimed does it make it any less good <laughs> like how are you measuring the goodness of art if you write something and 10 people are moved to tears or move to laugh, is that enough? When I think about, like, music in the 70s, when, 70s, 80s even, like, 90s, when it was big business and it felt like there was a lot more variety and a lot more interesting you know, stuff going on in a lot of ways. And you get the Velvet Underground and you get Captain Beefheart. And I've always kind of lamented the fact that these artists don't come out just fully formed making stuff to a, that, that quality. They are spotted and nurtured and sort of like developed and they work with very experienced people to get their sort of craft up to a certain level. So it's like you're sort of sculpting that kind of okay this is someone that's got something to say this is this is going to be interesting but like let's just you know make sure you're not doing these silly mistakes or let's make sure yeah. that this stuff's a bit tidier or this stuff like doesn't kind of is not a bit too long because we're all no one's perfect you know no one's going to just come out of the womb fully formed they need a bit of help um but and now the climate is like no one's going to risk spending money on something unless it's sort of in a very tried and tested mould. So what you get is a very, like, the stuff that is selected to be, this is going to be the pop music and it's gone through X Factor and it's gone through all these kind of controls that we're going to spend loads of money on and, like, make sure that it's to a certain, and I'm talking about music, to a certain, and then you're going to get, like, these kind of world-class producers kind of polishing it and doing these things to it but it's going to tend to be in this sort of tried and tested mold because they sort of feel like well okay i think we i know i can sell this but then at the other end you just get a load of stuff that is in terms of saying something a lot more interesting but kind of suspect and i put my own work in this category uh like in terms of the craft and like because it, there's no mentorship there's no i you know i have I'm personally on this permanent quest to kind of get someone to help me kind of get to the next level of, of craft. But what you're talking but, about, though, is that art's only purpose is to make money. And that is not its okay. purpose. But arts, art takes time and yeah. effort. Like compared to sort of a day job, much it's much more intense. It's much more difficult. And it it often kind of takes a lot of money being spent on it. Art doesn't get made for free no so i guess i'm talking about the fact that like it's hard to kind of disconnect getting paid for something with like i know in an ideal world we would all just make art and it wouldn't be a thing but you can't 
just do that because you but need. I, you but know. I'm not talking about not being paid for your work. Hmm. I'm talking about the fact that most of these decisions that you're. Most of the things you're talking about, they're not going to take a punt on somebody who's a bit risky because they don't want to, you know, they're not yep. going to make any money. People don't want to just cover their costs. They want to make a load of money. Yes. So they'll only take a punt on somebody they think is going to make them shit loads of money. And that is not, that is what I'm talking That is not the purpose of art. But, but I'm just saying, like, I, don't, I feel like this didn't seem to be such the case. It, when music was a bit less of a kind of... No, because before, people were happy to make a living. But also, like, you know, MP3s, like the internet, all these things that have made it harder and harder to actually sell. Like, so you sort of go back in time and it's sort of the performer is the medium as much as the artist, right? Like, here's a song and here's the performer. So, like, the performer yeah. is in the room... And yeah, able yeah. to say, okay, well, you can get my dinner. Like the performer yeah. and the medium are, aren't disconnected. Yeah, Mozart used now to have to med- show up with his harpsichord and yeah, play exactly. some music, and everyone went, oh, bravo, Cart bravo, or whatever. Here's some money. Um, <laughs> Here's some um, dinner. And then, and then, sort of, the medium became more and more disconnected from the actual, you know, the artist, and, and so now everyone sort of expects these pristine recordings that simultaneously can just make their way anywhere with no intervention from anyone and hence you know sort of getting paid or getting any value from that as the person who originated it is a lot more difficult but then I suppose you could argue that yeah you're not having to go out every day and perform it either so you know no. why should you get millions of pounds for this yeah, like suddenly... you've kind of spent two weeks in a studio and here it is like forever <laughs> you know <laughs> so I, I and that's music but you know the film industry tv you know that they're all kind of feeling that and, and I, this isn't an interesting or original point to be making but i, I guess just like nah, 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 artists get paid but then like art has always been a privileged activity so that's why i kind of feel like well why can't we move society to a level where everyone gets to do this privileged activity we don't have to pretend it's anything else and i think beautiful things would come out of that as well because you'd get like a lot of kind of ideas and feelings kind of mixing in a wider thing but then you'd also get this kind of saturation of there's too much to possibly consume um so i don't know i mean there is at the moment too much music to consume yeah and too much telly and too much yeah. movie and it's just there you know you've got it's all there all the music <laughs> that was ever made is on your spotify yeah. and you can't possibly listen to all of it in your lifetime never mind anything else it's hard to discover new stuff because it's just easier and safer to go to the things you know or the genres you think you know or whatever it is so i think you know yes there's been this massive shift but I don't think that changes the human need for art. No. And I think that what, I mean, what you're talking about, if you take the, you know, there's no concept of patronage anymore or, you know, you well, don't get I mean, this. that's arguable. I mean, I think um, one of the more interesting things that's um, emerged has been Patreon, which... Yes, but um, who knows allows, that who yeah. doesn't make music? No, lots you, of people. Pa- like Patreon it's, 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 is you know, a if you, digital if you watch bubble. YouTube... Well, okay. 
but isn't it so it, but yeah if you're not in the digital it's bubble then you're probably buying cds still so it's no like I, I listen about, to spotify right? all the time isn't the only reason i know about patreon and i listen to podcasts is because i is via podcasts not youtube videos most of the youtube stuff i stumble upon has got ads on it no one ever asked me for, you know it's like you have to be i still think that that's it's a niche it's not cultural the, the, the it's not in our culture to go oh, i enjoyed that here's some money you know that's why people don't give money to open source projects very easily or you know crowd i'm not saying that it doesn't exist but i that this this Patreon is an interesting new implementation, but I don't think it's gone mainstream yet. It's like nobody's listening to, I don't know, some tune on the radio going, really enjoy that. I'm going to go to their Patreon and give them a 10p. The culture has not caught up with the technology and the ability to re, you know, make things en masse really easily. And and co- concerts cost a fortune. They're not like yeah. little, you know. These are, this is a big. Who was other? Elton John's doing a gig in Hove Cricket that ground, and I think the cheapest ticket is ninety quid. Oh, that's a lot of money. Well, Who's he's going very to that? much at the 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 kind of peak of the pyramid, though. So like yeah, a lot of. We're looking for solutions to, and I I don't know. I I have this two things which is. Like I said before, like art is traditionally kind of a privilege or it has to have some sort of function to the state or the church yeah. or whatever religious things. It's never been something that everyone can do and it's not necessarily even something that everyone should do. But there's nothing we value more than the art that affects us, I don't think, in, in this world. I mean, there's relationships and there's art. The, the counter side that I was trying to get across about there being too much media to consume is the tale of it is so long and so low quality that you can click through SoundCloud at random for hours before you find anything that's not kind of just... It's the sound of the software that was used to make it, kind of yeah. the default settings sort of thing that you're not going to get anything out of. And then the people that are doing something interesting, it will often sound a bit kind of lo-fi compared to professionally produced music. So it can be more interesting, but then it can just sort of sound bad on your speakers. Yeah. Um, and that's quite common as well. So really to sort of get to that level that it's still very rarefied, the stuff that we do have wider access to. And it sort of seems, I guess, like there's quite a lot. But, like, you look at... I mean, we're focusing on music, but if you do look at, like, charts, pop charts, it's the same eight people kind of over and over again for years on end. And then half of the other stuff... I got sick of six music because it's all, like, 90s indie, whatever, still. And, I mean, maybe that's just the stuff I register because it's the stuff I'm familiar with. But it just seems like we're, we've got this long tail versus this kind of rut of kind of like rehashing the same sort of things over and over again because people are scared. That, what, I mean, don't get me wrong, it works... And actually, like with music, a lot of it is just you kind of scoop up the 13-year-olds as they come through that don't know, like, the history of it. And and there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I don't know, there's a frustration about not getting paid for something, but no one's ever got paid for this, really. Maybe performers got paid in the past. And, they, you know, if you can find a way to be able to perform it, then you can get paid. But, you know, I don't know, like, art is... 
it's a it's a privilege to be able to do it at the end of the day. going to see new art going to see a movie that is outside of your normal genre yeah. these are scary activities nobody would call them scary because that seems like an extreme word but you might have your tastes examined you might have to ask yourself some difficult questions you might have to uh it might it might register connect with something in you emotionally that you're not ready to have connected with it's like listening to if if i listen to music that i know i know that i am thinking of the thousand other times i listen to that piece of music and the people i've listened to it with and the places i've been it becomes much much more than simply the piece of music it's the same with looking at uh, you know the paintings that we have in the wall in our in our houses they're they're there now they in that moment it said something i bought it i put it on my wall well, I'm not going to get rid of it now and therefore I'm not making room for new art to come in because this is this is my art, this is what represents me. My, also, what you know, also, we understand things through, like, our, we have a frame of reference for understanding something. So, I've, for instance, Coen Brothers films, like, my experience has been, like, every other one I sort of didn't like the first time I saw it, but then I'll love it the second time. And half the time that's because structurally... It's just not the normal structure of a film. So you you just don't really know what you're looking at. And then it's sort of finished and you're like, oh, what? And then the second time you watch it, you, you know kind of the shape of it. So it's a lot safer to do the sort of three-act structure of, you know, the sort of protagonist yeah. gets thrown out of their comfort zone and then the meeting with the thing. and The, the, yeah. the normal structure, yeah. you yeah. kind of know what you're dealing with then and you can enjoy it the first time. But, um, yeah, when, but- when, when something expects you to sort of modify the very lens through which you're looking at it, yeah, it's going to be hard to enjoy it the first time. And and, and they're asking for a big commitment from you, aren't Mm. they? They're asking you to give them not, you know, hour and a half, two, two and a half hours. They're asking for five hours. Because you've got to watch it twice. You've got to think, yeah. And I think that's that's a, a important and I think you know I did a lot of my new music discovery when I worked at LBI because as people have <laughs> taste I trusted I just, they go listen to this oh, okay I will and I will listen to it twice because I you know if you say it's good I trust you I'll, I'll give it a couple of goes for it to become yeah. familiar so that I can enjoy it there is something- I don't know how much of any music anyone likes the first time you have to like a lot of it is through repeated exposure so that's what radio kind of plays you a song a couple of times you know like it's, you know, I don't think anyone sort of like falls in love with something the first time they hear it no I, like, I think you, I you get those like the date rape song which have that like little yeah. boppy thing where you kind of like can't help but kind of go bop 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 <laughs> without actually engaging with, with what it's doing or well, saying there is, there is stuff that like so I've I was thinking about David Lynch then as well like the first time I saw a razor head I was 
in the first couple of minutes, I was like, what is this bullshit? And then after another, like, two or three minutes, I was sucked in. I was like, this has overcome my scepticism doing something that, like, really weird and unusual. But, yeah, if you can sort of get into someone's bones... (laughs) Yeah. If you can sort of bypass that conscious thing somehow as you know while you're doing your thing in this unusual way. I mean that's to me is they these are the artists that I kind of put up on a pedestal at the end of the day like that is the ones that can like on the first look bring you into something that you're scared of. But then does that mean I have to put date rape song in that same category probably but it's but then but then sometimes the stuff that seems nice the first listen and then 10 listens in that it's not giving you anything and it's just horrible you want to be kind of aware of the difference between that and something that's actually you know good (laughs) well I, i think it's a i shy away from movies for example in paintings that have uh my definition of horrible content. <laughs> I prefer not to be confronted by horribleness unless I have to be. So I, I don't really like that feeling of, oh my, that is so disgusting. But equally, we've spoken about... I'm not talking about, about disgusting. I'm just well, more talking know, about the, being well, disturbed by something that's different. The disturbing, than, oh, okay, it's the wrong you know, word. I yeah. think I, disgusting I can deal with because yeah. that's your sort of like <laughs> rubbish movie with a load of blood in it. Um, yeah. Isn't that sort of gore versus the something that makes you go, oh, that is just a step too far for me. That is making me think about scenarios I don't want to think about. That's making me whatever it might be. And I think this is the need for art in our life is to escape our day to day as well. You know, it yeah, shouldn't yeah. have to be Shake reaffirming it, but rather to mm. go, Whoa! <laughs> what about looking at the world through this lens? Whoo! It's fine to be like, I recognise that. And that's the thing. I recognise that experience. I'm now comfortable. It's a different thing to, oh, here is yeah. a way of looking at things that I hadn't considered and, and it kind of opens me up to a lot more possibilities. That bit of it, though, is the bit that's hard work and you need to be braver yeah. to do. Yeah, and, and that's I mean, also I, why the, someone yeah. like, what's-his-face, northern comedian, Peter Kay, his whole thing, he fills stadiums and all he basically does is, hey, do you remember this thing? <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Do you remember this other thing? Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. It's just here is some familiarity that you... It's just like yeah, you might have forgotten about. But it doesn't, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make you laugh any less, you know. It's just that it doesn't make you think. And I think that's the bit... Well, I think that, once you know, you're onto it, you're like, yeah, okay, every single joke has been, do you remember flying yeah. saucers? Um, right, can you do something else now? Well, I did, I did uh, quite enjoy his car share thing. Just because it was just like sitting in a car. <laughs> The, um, the, well, this the, is uh, one of those things I feel confident, just in the same way that we feel confident in, like, appreciating something based on other people. Like, I can I can diss Peter Kay because I know that lots of comedians that I respect have done this publicly already. So it's sort of like, he, he's sort of like safe ground to me, whereas I, I would probably be find it more difficult to, you know, dismiss someone that I hadn't heard someone else dismiss. But, you know, take, compare um, him to, I don't know, you know, like uh, the person that comes to my mind as somebody who's the antithesis is Stuart Lee. And yeah. he... Oh, God. But so much of him, I'm, I watch him 
and I can understand that it's funny, but it doesn't make me laugh. I will. I, Stuart Lee, I've kind of, I, 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 he's, he's, he's so kind of in his how, how, what is comedy? Com, what, what can I get away with? I, I don't know. Like he's so about like the structure and the art form of being a comedian that I just can't. I, I've had enough of him because I feel like he's not actually there to make me laugh anymore and he does a bit but then when he starts doing this i'm gonna see how many times i can repeat the same thing Um, i'm just i just sorry Stuart. like it's it is partly on you i feel like it's your job to write jokes as a comedian i don't feel like it's your job to dissect the art form publicly in a way that challenges everyone and uh, And maybe I am laughing at a lot of it still, but I, you know, I'm still, I would, I'm still waiting for the bits where he's actually done a bit of work rather than he's like sort of. Um, I think it's when the repetition comes in that I really start to go, look, stop. Yeah, I've yeah. I mean, and I, I actually saw Mark Maron his last comedy special. He did a bit of that. I was like, don't, don't, don't go down that path because it's it's more for you than for me, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, but you know, a lot of. The um, Stuart Lee obviously was a trigger word. <laughs> mm. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> but he does. So my other go-to, which I don't know if there's anyone like that around at the moment, is somebody like Spike Milligan, who whose art is his his comedy is so abstract that it's just ludicrous and funny. But equally, oh, Harry I, Hill is the, oh, yeah, the more recent Hill, yeah. one. Just yeah. a legend. Just absolutely <laughs> brilliant. Someone that can sit on ITV and still be just, like, biting and just brilliant, you know, without hurting anyone. But, like, yeah, that's true. I hadn't thought it. He's not uh, so on my radar as... Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm still stuck in some sort of other world of... <laughs> 50 you know comedy that was written 100 years ago <laughs> I, was like, oh. well, I don't know who the spike Milliken. i don't know don't who know. the the current one is because harry hill's not like, not exactly no. well he's from like a long time ago now even but, but yeah, i, I do know. like watching um so there's com- comedy is an interesting art form i think <laughs> harry hill is the david lynch of comedy wow When it comes to something new that you're not familiar with, if you're not, you know, in your teens and it's all new. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess you are at the whim of the critics. Like it's if the critics like something, then you'll you're more likely to put the time in. More like you'll check, you'll see. Has this film got like I think Nick's, yes. has it got more than seven point five on IMDB? Yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll we'll Nick's. give it an hour, like yeah. an hour and a half. This is how it is now. Like it's either stuff that is just so mass marketed at you that you're you've got no choice but to see it a yeah. couple of times or you go through the critics and, and these are people that we expect to have more sophisticated ways of looking at things than we have personally and hence can sort of we you we can now find people who we think we're going to more or less agree with their opinions you know on the new film that just came out the new song the new whatever yeah. um and then we hope that through them we we can filter the stuff that's interesting film criticism is one thing because as even now there's not too many films to be able to watch most of them 
I think, certainly not sort of features that have got distribution. But when it comes to music, like I, I, it really is a marketing exercise. I, all of this is mark. It's like, but then it always has been. It's like here's here's my new record, and you know, a bag of coke was the way that you used to get stuff on the radio and kind of reviewed. There's just by the very nature of it, there's more of it. Mm. You know, without somebody filtering it for you and telling you what you're supposed to be listening to, it's nigh on important. You have to dedicate, like you just said, you have to click around SoundCloud for some hours before you find something that you actually want to listen to. I, I'm not, I can't give SoundCloud that amount of time. I can't give music mm. that amount of time. When I can sit with my mm. three-year-old and put on Grooves in the Heart by D-Light and the first three, like first three seconds, she's already started dancing the first yeah, time she I, heard it. Last. And, and that was me, like that was nearly the first <laughs> single I ever bought as well. Yeah. Actually, the first thing I bought Amazing was the Teenage you. Mutant Hero Turtles soundtrack. So, you know, whatever. But um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a bit annoyed that I didn't like go with my first. But I, I feel like there's something about the A&R process in the past where stuff like that, that is just objectively... I don't know, not you know, as objectively as anything like this can can have a level of polish and a level of kind of like there's not stuff. It's just like okay, this is a finished piece of work. I think there does exist a sort of quality in any art form that can allow you to get sucked in by it on the first listen or the first viewing. And those are the artists that I kind of like hold up at the absolute with the highest regard. So if David Lynch can kind of get me through my scepticism about like nonsense and into something and enjoy it, or if I can see, you know, that grooves in the heart the first time on top of the pops and just be instantly captivated by it. I think that is the stuff that we, that's the stuff that you want. The world now is, it, it feels like, there isn't really an engine, there isn't really a machine kind of creating that sort of stuff in the same way. But then I'm just, could just be old and we our tastes are formed when we're 13. Let's, um, let's wrap up part one. Um, and do our bits, shall we? Yes, let's. So thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like it, go to grandpodcast.com. You can find me at michaelforestmusic.com. And where can we find you, Ivanka? You can find me at Ivanka on Twitter. And what can people do to help? What would be lovely is if you would subscribe, get all your friends to subscribe, write us a little review on iTunes. That always helps. And, or, you know, YouTube, wherever you listen, Stitcher, YouTube, I don't know, Spotify, uh, just, uh, yes, just uh, give us some stars, please. That whatever, would be lovely. Whatever rating system is available, please. Just please use it. Like those little <laughs> buttons. Be yeah. lovely. <laughs> um, you can also contact us, hello at grandpodcast.com, if you have any thoughts. And we will do our best to uh, respond, possibly in an episode but you know we don't we still don't get much stuff so you know you're likely to get a response (laughs) we're not drowning in correspondence yeah it's true we are very far from drowning we're if anything we've barely got any up our nose yet like uh, any water up our nose email wise um 
let's but yeah thanks very much for listening and I hope you'll come and tune in next week bye bye